With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Third hour of Sharp Money here on VSIN, the sports betting network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Amal Shaw is here. Dustin Swedelson in a somewhat similar shirt is across the way as well, although mine's not a polo. His is. Uh, his is. Looking sharp, though. It's a good color. Polo brand, not a polo shirt. Right, yes. Why not? Yes, make that very important designation. Uh, all right, Matt Perino is with us. Bill's beat reporter, Syracuse.com. You can also check out the Shout podcast as well. Nice enough to give us some time, give us the Buffalo perspective as we just got the Jets perspective. So, Matt, I will start with a, a somewhat general question. There does seem to be some thought that the window is not closed for the Bills because they're still a very good team, but that it has tightened over the offseason, maybe with the additions in the AFC, maybe with some worsening of this Bills roster. What do you make of that concept that, that the, the window is shrinking here for Buffalo and this year might be a last gasp effort? I would definitely agree with the AFC part of things. I'd yeah. probably push back a little bit on the Bills roster only because I think it's better than it was a year ago. I mean, they went out and they filled some really important holes. Go back and watch all of last season at left guard. Roger Saffold was, according to the advanced metrics, one of the worst interior offensive linemen in the, in the league. They went out and they signed Connor McGovern over from uh, Dallas, who, you know, he's, he's a run-of-the-mill kind of guy, but he's really good when it comes to pass protection. protection and that's what they need for Josh Allen. And they're, they're going to be tested on the interior today. Rookie Osiris Torrance, they took him in the second round. He's going to start at right guard. And, you know, they're going to get Quinton Williams, who's arguably the best interior defensive lineman in the league. So we're going to get some answers here right out uh, from the jump. But listen, there's, there's a lot of pressure to go around in this game. There's obvious pressure on the Jets, but you know, I think there, are, there is on the Bills to kind of announce that they're still a contender. They're still, you know, this is still their division. And, and they struggled against the Jets in two games last year. They won one, they dropped one. Uh, and this is a bet, much better Jets team now. Matt, when you look at this team, how effective will they be against the run this year? Uh, I think they have the potential to be a little bit better. Uh, they went out uh, under the radar addition, Puna Ford, coming over from Seattle. Uh, he plays that space-eating, uh, gap-filling, uh, one-technique defensive tackle role, and he's fifth in their rotation right now, but he's somebody I think that if he plays well, can start to ascend a little bit. And you know, obviously lost Tremaine Edmonds to Chicago. I think that that hurts. But they're really deep on their defensive line. I think Leonard Floyd coming over from the Rams really helps give them another guy that not only can rush the passer but can set the edge and is pretty strong against the run. 
Um, you know, they're, they're bugaboo over the last couple of years, even when they've struggled against the run uh, a few times. Like we all remember that, that New England Patriots Monday Night Football game where Mac Jones only threw it three times. And they had that one big run from Damian Harris. Well, they went out and they signed Damian Harris, partly because of that. But also, you know, this is uh, a team that's struggling in the playoffs against really elite passing games. So that's, to me, where I think they want to be better. Tredavious White. Uh, coming off that ACL in 2021, never really was the same version of the player last year. They're hoping that he kind of bounces back to that. And they have really good second in their secondary, really good tackling players, which I think helps against the run. Matt Perino with us. I want to update our audience really quickly. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but just breaking. The holdout is over. Chris Jones has signed, it seems, uh, a one-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later. All right, so let's talk about Josh Allen then. You know, if we look down the stretch for Josh Allen uh, against some teams, then there was a thought that maybe teams were saying, you know what, dude, we're not going to blitz you as much anymore. We're just going to drop guys back, and we're going to make sure that you have to work from the pocket. Did you see that down the stretch, and do you think that's something he's going to see more frequently this year potentially um I, I think what the bills did last year though is they realized that they didn't have any counter punches like they were they were leaning on the fact of what they were they had stefan diggs you know gabe davis was working mostly as a deep target uh the run game wasn't great and then they didn't have any of those intermediate sorry the, a little bit of background noise here at matt life stadium um they're <laughs> Sorry, they're, they're actually asking people to leave the stadium right now because of the weather conditions here before the start of this game. So I'm going to move to a different location. Um, but I think Dalton Kincaid is sneaky, a really important addition to consider when, when you think about the options at Ken Dorsey's disposal. Um, if he can kind of, you know, open up that in intermediate area, that middle part of the field, that's something that Cole Beasley did for them a couple of years ago. And they've, they've missed that. And they're hoping that he kind of unlocks that. They hope that they can run it better with Harris and Latavius Murray. And if Ken Dorsey has more tools, more weapons, and Josh Allen has those as well, they're hoping that that means this is a more effective, harder to game plan against offense. Matt, the offseason drama around the Bills, I'm just assuming it's tough when you have a long offseason, you lose a game like that against Cincinnati. And so many times there's just stories that are kind of created because there's not much to talk about May, June, July. But any of this that could have a lingering effect going into the season with Diggs, with Josh Allen, or anyone else on this roster? You know, I probably would have said potentially a couple weeks ago, but after watching them pretty closely over the course of the summer, you know, training camp, they go away to St. John Fisher. And that usually brings the team pretty close back together. And it seems like at least they're saying all the right things. Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are on the same page. And listen, I, I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't be. I mean, this is a, this is a combo. I get that they haven't won the Super Bowl. They haven't gotten to a Super Bowl. But if you want to talk about quarterback wide receiver combos, the best of the last three or four three or four seasons, you, you probably start uh, or at least close to the top with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. So he knows that he has a chance to have a special season every time that he lines up with Josh Allen. Uh, and so I think that that is kind of allowed cooler heads to prevail. But listen, they they want to be more successful. They want to. He wants to be more. Um, I don't want to say more involved. He's targeted plenty in this offense, but I think he wants to be, um, he wants his offense to feel like it's in sync and more efficient, more consistently. And so I think that that's what the offseason stuff was about. And it seems like everybody's locked in. They're ready to go. And we'll, we'll find out some answers here early tonight. Last year, and Matt Perino's with us, uh, of course, covers the Buffalo Bills. Last year, 23rd in EPA per play uh, with their running game. What's the change in this rushing offense? Does it need to be changed, and what were some of the issues? 
Yeah, I think first of all they had uh, you know Devin Singletary was their featured back, and it, it, he's a nice player. I mean, he has some really uh, he, he's elusive, uh, you know. But in between the tackles, I, did, I never thought that they were physical enough. And, and when you go with James Cook as your number one, you know you need to find somewhere else to go for those tough yards, and you know maybe even in the red zone. Uh, James Cook's gonna be heavily involved in their passing game. Uh, they really like him catching the ball out of the backfield. So when you bring in a guy like Damon Harris and maybe even more so Latavius Murray, who's been between the tackles and in the red zone, one of the best running backs consistently over the past decade, um, they're hoping to lean on that. And I, I was actually really surprised. Like Murray at his age, at 33, I didn't know how much the Bills were going to get out of that player, but he has looked as young as anybody in that running back room this this summer. And they're hoping that consistently they can be physical. And then the addition of Dalton Kincaid, really could put pressure on defenses and defensive coordinators because if you're you're lining up 12 personnel as much as they're hoping to, you're probably going to be able to run a little bit more and the threat of the passing game with Knox and Kate out there, both two uh, pass catchers that you know defenses have to account for, you probably can run out of those sets a lot easier. Matt, what would be what would constitute during the regular season a success for this Buffalo Bills team considering where they've been the last couple of years? I mean, listen, I, I think we get we get in this habit of saying Super Bowl or bust, but yeah. I really truly think that after you know, it's been building to this, right? You've had your you've had your nightmare season ending, heartbreaking disappointments and, and now you have to kind of reach that next level. And you know, an AFC title game, I mean getting back there would be a start. But I think this group, you know, with Sean McDermott at the helm now, this is his seventh season in Buffalo and Allen's sixth season, this will be his fourth with Allen. You know, you want to see that cash in. And Bob Miller's not getting any younger. Some of the pieces, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, uh, not getting any younger. That franchise center, Mitch Morse, had some concussion issues uh, over the course of his career. You never know. The next one could be the last one uh, before a player has to kind of hang it up. So I think there's a little bit of sense of urgency from – you know, personnel perspective, that there's a lot of players. This, this roster could look a lot different next year. So when that's the case, you you, you want to have that urgency and, and try to win now. Syracuse.com, where you can find Matt's work, host of Shout Podcast as well. So what do you expect to happen tonight between the Bills and the Jets? Um, I, I, I think it's going to be a really close game. Uh, I think it's going to be probably a little bit more offense than people are expecting. Um, I, I think going on the safe side and going 27-20 Bills, but I do think both teams are going to be able to move the ball depending on the weather as long as that holds up. And I think both passing games could have some success at times. And I think the Bills, um, I'm really interested to see what kind of wrinkles Ken Dorsey kind of throws out there. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more pre-snap stuff. Uh, the Bills didn't do a ton of that last year, and Brian Dable was famous for that during his tenure in Buffalo. So if they get back to a little bit of that, maybe a little Deontay Hardy jet sweep action, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. But I think it's going to be a close game, but a, a fun game. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, we hear the robotic voice. What, what's the weather? Can you play weatherman? What exactly is going on? Uh, man, it looks like uh, a storm is a brewing. Okay. Uh, and I think we all watched the Sunday night game last night at the same stadium, and it was pouring. And I think that the, the rain is coming in. Uh, it's 5-10 right now. I think most people are hoping that it, it clears by the time the game starts. Um, I got a, a TV hit at about 7 o'clock, so if we could have it uh, wrap up by then, that would be great. Yeah, well, you have great hair, too, so the rain will, will ruin that, too. <laughs> uh, Matt, appreciate some time, man. Thanks a lot. No problem. Take care. You got Thank it. You. Again, Matt Perino, uh, Syracuse.com, where you can go for the work. Ooh, okay, a little bit of rain. Now, here's the thing. People freak out. 
as we say a lot. Precipitation doesn't really matter too much. It's all about the wind. I mean, the rain was an excuse for the Giants last night, but the Cowboys found ways to score in it, so. I mean, well, here's the big th- difference. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. Daniel Jones sucks. Don't say don't, that. Don't, don't hurt yourself standing on that ledge. Uh, I, it's not a limb. It's a very firm and steady ledge. <laughs> so I don't think it's that, but I don't think he's very good either, and last night he you was running for his life. Evan Neal might be the worst right tackle in the league. Don't say that. <laughs> I, I just, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't say sucks. That's not very nice. These guys are humans. He's just not a very good NFL quarterback. But I can tell you this. He's a bottom-tier guy now for me. He's a bottom-tier guy. I thought he might have been cl- – he, he could have worked himself into the middle. He's worked himself so far back, he's like bottom – eight in the league just a quick update weatherwise we're three hours from kickoff at the uh, metlife stadium uh rain is expected in the next 15 minutes to last about 45 minutes and then clear the rest of the night you got wind speeds uh i will have that for you on the other side there's a cool little lightning thing that just flashed across (laughs) the mall screen looked nice all right we'll take a break you come back here on sharp money of Tom Brady Stole the Show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN.com is the spot. Make sure you check out everything we have to offer for those who uh, want a little quick instant gratification. Well, guess what? We got a picks page. You can just hit it up and easily sort through picks. You can follow hosts and guests. You can also check out the top VSIN experts leaderboard, which gives you the hot hand of the day. Check everything out uh, we have to offer up on the website, VSIN.com slash subscribe for all your subscription suggestions, offers, ideas. I've got an idea. 
first off, you know it's you know the NFL is back. We haven't even t- we haven't we had it at some point. Not one second on college football yet. Until me losing Texas Tech uh, the way I lost it at the oh, end of that game. That's, I mean, there's that. There's obviously what happened with Alabama and Texas. I have shredded my digital Jalen Milrow ticket oh, to win done. the Heisman. Um, over. I did bet a Heisman ticket over the weekend though that I, I'm digging. Uh, you you want to share, share that now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's one we talked about. Gonna make us beg? Uh, my guy DJU. I'm telling you, folks. And the schedule sets up for him. Schedule is good. The first uh, few day, the first few games, he's gonna be able to rack up some good numbers. At the very least, I bet him at 90 to one. I'm gonna be sitting on 90 to one. That's gonna shrink, I think, over the next couple of weeks. I don't think it's a bad play. It's the 61st anniversary of Terry Baker winning for Oregon State in '62. Uh, everybody knows the 61st anniversary is an important one. <laughs> well, what's interesting because he's facing a really good defense this week, right? San Diego State. I was gonna say San Diego potentially, State. Potentially, potentially. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm relying on last year. They have not been good so far. They have no offense, so I think their offense is actually hurting their defense. Dante Moore is going to be an absolute dude. Um, he was pretty effective against this team. UCLA was able to move the ball against San Diego State. The Aztecs and Barney Rubble, better known as... Uh, <laughs> Barney Rubble. Well, who's the head coach there? Brady, Brady Hoke. Hoke. I can't yeah, remember Brady. I don't even know his real name. Yeah, he just don't need, Barney Rubble. He's just not getting it done there. They, they need a new coach. By the way, what is with San Diego State? They need a quarterback. What? That's for sure. Well, what is with San Diego State's both programs, football and basketball, just absolutely Same. suffocating you defensively, but having no offense? Same. Uh, it's, it's as somebody who's watched so much of this because I actually enjoy the conference both in basketball and yeah. football, I don't know how that happens. I don't know <laughs> how, like, by osmosis, you just become the same program across the board. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, and it's this, you go back to the Ohio game, right? You know, you get the quarterback to go down in the first quarter and then you win. It's the equivalent of, I used to make this joke. So, Agueca Rope was part of that team last year. Agueca Rope averages one offensive rebound a game, but it's always on a freaking <laughs> missed free throw when you're up <laughs> by one. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. just, just when you need it. You know what I mean? It's the same team every time. It's, it's agonizing. But I, I did want to bring this up since we are here because one of the things that was pretty fascinating to watch, we can focus on the Alabama thing coming up in a little bit. Quinn Ewers, for the second consecutive year against Alabama, last year he got hurt early on, yeah. looked like a dude. He was dropping dimes. He was torching that secondary. Every answer, Alabama had a late touchdown to Mall yeah. where they immediately, what was it, like four plays, four yeah, plays, boom, bing, boom. bing, bing, seven, 75 yards. We're in the end zone. We respond. I, I was I was impressed with yours. I was impressed with that front seven from Texas. Yeah. That was a great effort on the road against Alabama. Uh, you know, look, not taking anything away from the Horns. I thought they played a fantastic football game. But at this level, when you get to top 15 teams, if you're one-dimensional to a certain extent, which was what Alabama was in terms of running the ball but not consistent throwing it, I think a team like Texas with their athletes and their talent can take away your run game. And that's basically what they did. There were some missed opportunities. Jace McClellan got open. We saw Burton hit the big touchdown pass. Milrow missed a couple of throws. The Alabama offensive line wasn't great. And here's another thing that nobody ever criticizes. This is exactly what you guys mentioned with Belichick's inability to evaluate talent on offense. Mm-hmm. Nobody criticizes Nick Saban's team's lack of discipline. The Tennessee game last year, I think they had like 15 oh. penalties. Yeah, they were abysmal in this game. They were game. abysmal. Same thing in this game. It's penalty after penalty after penalty in crucial situations. Uh, Nick Saban's first double-digit home loss as a head coach since 2003 when he was at LSU. Lost 19-7. to Wow. It's been a long time. 
Yeah, I mean, 2003 is when I graduated yeah. high school. Yeah. No, listen, he's been a phenomenal coach. I mean, arguably the greatest coach in the history of college football. But I think this year, Alabama, I still think they're going to wind up with 10 wins because any yeah, the SEC schedule. West is not that strong. The, I'll tell you right now, Arkansas. the Pac-12 is the best team in the league. Yeah, Razorback struggled against Kent State. Kent State. I, yeah. I know that, but... Could a team? I'm trying to think of teams in the West. Mississippi State with a veteran at Will Rogers. Could no, one because, of no, no, because Will Rogers, Alabama. Will Rogers NIL deal says I will not throw the ball past ten yards and, down the and field. And here's the thing: Mississippi State against Arizona, you get that many turnovers. They were they were awful. Vote. Yes, they, they were, were fortunate. That game. Well, they went up big, and I don't know what what happened there because I bet them in the first half, and I was feeling great because they cashed, turn it off, look up, they're they're tied in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so they get um, they get LSU this week. The, the market actually moved really heavily in, the, in uh, LSU's favor. Went from seven. I shouldn't say heavily. Went from seven to nine, and in some spots now it's up to ten. But against Arizona State, so you, they went up fourteen nothing in the first quarter, and then they put it on cruise control after that. But Jaden Delora threw four interceptions. He was not very good, and yet he still got this team to overtime against Mississippi State. They got outgained four thirty one to three oh seven. They were not good, Mississippi State. They are so lucky that they got out of that game against a lesser team like Arizona. I was a Amazed watching that. I just don't think much of Alabama right now. I'm, yeah. I don't. I don't want to. I'm not overreacting off one game. I just don't think they have the guys. They don't have the continuity. They don't have the pieces. They don't have the experience. Like I was very unimpressed with Alabama. Not to take anything away from Texas because I thought Texas capitalized in every way they needed to, and they had that killer instinct to go into into Tuscaloosa and walk away with a win there. But when I look at Alabama, Tommy Reese's play calling lacked inspiring. When you have a mobile quarterback, Jalen Milrow was quick to evade the pocket and use his legs, but I also think he was under duress a lot in that game, especially early. Like, I just don't think they have the, the horses to win the race this year to, to keep up with what they've been doing the last couple seasons. Yeah, by the way, I'm going to tell you the worst part is that an ESPN, ABC broadcast, we get that fake energy fouler on all these games. You can tell he didn't have a dime on that game, because let me tell you something. Every time he's like five yards, I'm like, bro, he got three yards. Stop giving him two yards more. Let me tell you, if you watch when I have a big bet on a game, you watch a game with me, I don't miss a damn thing when it comes to clock and yardage. This guy's just rounding up. I'm like, what was he, the former Enron accountant? Don't I mean, you, it's unbelievable. But don't you feel like when you're watching a game, especially in college, the spots are always the opposite of what your bet is? <laughs> like, the spots are always given a yard when you need them to be one oh, yeah, yard yeah. short. Well, listen, I've told you many times, it's nine and a half yards for a first down in college football. That's just the way it is. They just round up. Yeah, we're giving it to you. So I had a thought over the weekend. How do you feel about the line of scrimmage marker? I, I, I was watching a game, and I don't remember which one it was, but I was like, you know, I think we could do without the line of scrimmage marker. I feel like you only need the first down. I, I like it in rare instances in case the quarterback goes past the line of scrimmage. Yep. Yeah, I like it because sometimes the quarterbacks run around so much in the backfield behind the line of scrimmage. Okay. I want to make yeah. sure like they are actually gaining a couple yards versus like a fair. what's a loss and what's not. To the point about the Southeastern Conference and overall, and actually, I'll give them credit because I'd like to listen to uh, the, the Cover 3 podcast. The guys over there, Chip yeah. Patterson and Bud Elliott, do a good job. I think it was Patterson who brought it up. The way he termed it was the version of Alabama we saw on Saturday, nine and three, like can get there. Yeah. But like, and to your point, if we're talking about competing for national championships, getting past Georgia, competing with the Michigans and potentially Ohio States and others that might be there at the table, that team's not going to cut it from Saturday. So there's still the potential to get there, but that team's not going to cut it from. You're, you're not wrong in that. However, I just don't think, look, what I've seen so far, USC's got the best offense in college football. They don't have the defense to necessarily go with it. Mm-hmm. Georgia's in a great position because the schedule to win another national title. But their offense has been eh. Yeah, 
I don't think any of these teams are great. No. Like, to me, LSU 2019, Alabama 2020, they're beating any team in college football right now by two-plus scores. I mean, they are wiping the floor with anybody. Michigan didn't look great against UNLV. Ohio State, I think their defense is going to be elite. This is the least yardage they've given up in their first two games since 2008. But their offensive line has got a ton of question marks. We talked about Alabama. Georgia, I don't know. You mentioned it. Carson Beck didn't score in the first quarter against Ball State. I mean, come on. You sound angry. But I feel like this is a good thing for college football. Maybe, but my my problem is I, I think we're going to wind up with some teams in the playoff this year, and there's just not going to be great teams. Like in the past, when you look at it, you saw some of the Bama teams. They were elite. They were great all-time type of teams. Well, it's usually like that fourth team, right? There's yeah. going to be a debate. Who's it going to be? Yes. It's going to come down to the committee voting. We're going to think someone got robbed. And it's not because one team is good. It's because a bunch of them are just eh. Mm. And by the way, the Pac-12, without question, is the best league in college football, and there's one reason why. Quarterback play. 17-0. and 0. Well, no, Cal lost. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so 17-1. But I'm going to tell you right now, they uh, they have a better team than people anticipated coming to the season. Washington State had one of the best wins we've seen so far in college football. Uh, Michael Penix is great. Caleb Williams is an absolute dude. Bo Nix and company go into a tough environment and get a win. Cam Rising hasn't even played. And by the way, we talked about bad beats with the uh, uh, Oregon game. Did you see the finish to the Utah-Baylor game? Oh, my God. Pass interference. Yeah, that was. That was definitely pass interference there for sure. But how about Utah not trying to score, mm-hmm. and then the guy pushes the guy so into the end zone? It was a great play because yes. the, the defensive tackle, it seemed for Baylor, I think forgot what the plan was. So yeah. Baylor's plan was to let them score. So the D tackle actually wraps up the Utah running back, and then you see him go, oh, wait, no, what's happening? And then he kind of lets him oh, go. Oh, I didn't see this. Yes. So then all the other Baylor players are like, get him! And then they just kind of <laughs> shove him into the end zone so they can score. But what I'm referring to is, yeah. so they, they get Baylor gets the ball with, what What would you say, like 11 seconds yeah, left? Exactly. But they take a shot downfield and get it. So they have a shot from like the 22 yeah. to take another opportunity to tie it. And the receiver, I'm sorry, he gets mugged in the end zone. He, he does. It's all over him, but the refs don't want to do that. They don't want to give him the extra opportunity. Pass falls incomplete and Utah ends up winning. But that play was that play at the end was, it was nuts. I, absolutely. JVT's right. They should have called the PI there. I'm surprised they didn't get the call, but... Uh it's the different. The difference between the SEC right now and the Pac-12 is just simply quarterback play. And I didn't even mention DJ Uyunglele and Jaden Deloren and these other guys. By the way, Utah was upset that that initial touchdown was called back. You should be happy. It allowed you to burn uh, Absolutely, the exactly so. right. All right, we'll take we'll take a break here. Last thirty minutes uh, on Sharp Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Make sure you check out everything we have to offer up on the website at vcin.com and make it your best football season ever. You're going to get access to everything we do, daily best bets, betting splits, and betting systems, as well as premium analysis and 24-7 video access. And if you sign up for a vcin annual subscription, you're going to get a free copy of Michael Lombardi's new book, Football Done Right. Just use promo code Lombardi when you sign up. And if you would like an autographed copy of Michael's book, just email us at subscribe at vcin.com. It's a limited time offer, so sign up today at vcin.com slash subscribe. Oh, man, I was told. Now you guys put me in a bad spot because I'm ugly. And I'm just sitting there looking at my face. 
<laughs> what happened? Well, we were going to do your man in the mirror thing. It's a Michael Jackson deal? Yeah, yeah. there's an open for it. You know, Amal, Amal's got to reflect on the weekend. Uh, I'm not sure if the uh, the open is working, though, right now. Oh, okay. All right, Amal. Well, question for you before we get started. You want to go, me to go NFL or college first? Uh, do you want me to sing the song for you? Go. I'm standing um, with oh, the, the right man words. in the mirror. This wow. is the second time today we've heard him all sing. We got yeah, him all the same. Bad. He's like Wes Reynolds over here. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, what were you listening to? Were Billy we... Joel. Uh, we didn't start the fire. Was playing in the background. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's start with the National Football League. Um, three takeaways that I have from the weekend, JVT and Dustin. Two of the Miami offense are going to be a uh, bet on and a problem for defenses this year. I, I was so impressed. And, you know, we talked about with Antoine Staley, the Jets beat reporter. They've got two number one receivers. When you obviously Tyreek Hill, I don't know where you guys rank him in top receivers in the National Football League. I'd probably put him around two or three. For me, the number one guy is still Justin Jefferson. Uh, but Jalen Waddle, top 10, top 12 receiver, uh, you know, you're splitting hairs there. Maybe Devontae Adams, number one. Uh, but I'll tell you what, guys, this offense is going to be tough. Now, it did help that the Chargers defense wasn't particularly strong or effective. They played in a dome, ability to throw the ball. But again, in South Florida, as long as there's no afternoon sun showers, two and company should be very effective. And you keep them up health, uh, upright and healthy, guys. Could be a big season for the Dolphins. Would agree. MVP favorite, Tua Tungavailoa. I love Tua. Like, I'm very high on Tua. But are we so sure it's not? A similar Shanahan thing where this McDaniel system just um, is putting anyone in good good spots to succeed. I mean, I don't want to take away from him. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Do like, you really? Like, I, I think he would still be a good quarterback in another system, but he would not be having these monster numbers. Yeah. Well, you seem pretty adamant in your statement there. What, what's your pushback against Tua? Oh, I think if you watch the games in which he is, like that offense is not good. He is bad. Like he is all over the place. He's inaccurate. He commits a ton of turnover worthy plays. I mean, I mentioned it when we talked about this when we were previewing the Miami Dolphins coming into the year. After the bye week, Tua's production fell off of a cliff. Yeah, but he almost died. I mean, you see, we, we keep pointing. <laughs> like, like, like he's not allowed to recover as a human being from almost dying. So, yeah, he did. Then he had a time off. This time had a bye week and then came out and wasn't very <laughs> good he also had a good game in there though so he wasn't dying in that good game but the other ones are because of everything else noted noted jvt believes two weeks and then you should get over almost dying on a football field okay all right i guess that's it i just feel like we lean on a lot of things to explain what's in front of us and i have a pretty large sample size of Tua being an extremely volatile player and when Tua started playing well is when mike mcdaniel came around there. You're not wrong in that. I think a little bit of he just gets frightened in the pocket of getting hit. Rightfully I, I, so. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I think he's a very accurate quarterback. You go back to his days at Alabama. But the injuries have kind of taken its toll on him. Uh, betting overs on Atlanta Falcons and, and Atlanta games this year is going to be a tough one to watch and to be able to really do. because it's a watch in general. Yeah. If Desmond Ritter continues to be the quarterback, he, look, I'm not a big prop player on quarterbacks, so you should go with more running backs. Uh, to me, this is a guy you're going to bet totals under. What is his uh, you passing yardage total going to be next week? 172? I was actually just going to look. Maybe it It's got to be yeah. super, like in the 50s or 60s, 160, 161 and a half. Uh, well, got, let me see if I said 172 because it's still the NFL, but I mean. Nothing up so, yet. So when the Falcons play Arizona in week 10, set that total right now for that game. 33 and a half? Yeah, we're, they don't go that low anymore, but I'm going to go 36 and a half. No, 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 you're not far off. I'm just getting over five touchdowns right there. Yeah, that's it's not going to be great. And it's not up right now. I would assume you don't want to overreact to it. So maybe you hang up like a, a 185 and a half because you know they're going to be a run-heavy team and there's not going to be a lot there. So that, 115 with 34 yards coming on one single play. That's – I can't. And, and – 15 completions to get to 115. Yep. Honestly, I think, Arthur, if they make the playoffs somehow, 
Arthur Smith is coach of the year. Yes, I would agree with you. I'm telling you, he's the worst quarterback we've seen. If they make the playoffs, he'll be the worst quarterback we've seen in the postseason in a very long time. I mean, I think you can argue outside of outside of Arizona, outside of Arizona, what where is the worst two deep depth charted quarterback? Uh, It's got to be Washington. I'm sorry, it's the fact that you're thinking about it. It's Atlanta or Washington. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that you're really thinking about it, because I don't think the world of Bush Light drinker Taylor Heineke. <laughs> I do think that he's a dude that, and you mentioned this, the YOLO balls that he just throws up oh, yeah. there. And sure, I, last year, more of them went into his receiver's hands than the other guy's hands, but there was a lot of luck involved with Taylor Heineke was last year. And also, year. McLaurin statistically is great at the 50-50 balls compared to some of the other receivers he may have. I mean, McLaurin's put up numbers with everyone. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter who's there. Oh, I'd say Tampa Bay's quarterback room, maybe. I mean, I like Baker more than most, yeah. but, like, it's still Baker and Kyle Trask, yeah. Yep. I'd still take Baker and him over Howell and uh, uh, oh, yeah. Jacoby Brissett and, of course, over Dritter. And uh, I love that line. Patrick had YOLO ball. This guy literally is you only live once. And then finally, JVT. Actually, or, you're sorry, really quick. Yeah. The Titans might be up there if Tyne Hill continues to play oh, yeah, like that. No question about it. At least they like they have three guys who stink <laughs> instead of two. <laughs> they combine them into one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, if you combine all of them into one player, that player's an MVP candidate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, JVT already spoke to this because he picked this team to win the division. That's the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is elite. I'll tell you what, biggest win, shutout win in franchise history. They look great. It wasn't just that they won the game. The opening drive notwithstanding for the Giants, the Dallas Cowboys dominated the New York Giants like they were a high school football team. I mean, I couldn't believe how impressive they were. Dak didn't have to do that much. The offense really didn't have to do much. They got pressure on 23 out of 42 pass uh, dropbacks for Daniel Jones. Yeah, and you got to remember that first drive for the Giants is scripted, right? So that's the best they're going to look all day. And by the way... The block punt, all that, like the defense was was up in Daniel Jones's grill all day. They never allowed New York to get any sense of rhythm or feel comfortable out there. They were on their heels all night. And they also gave him the 15 yards on the late hit on Daniel Jones. By the way, I was already ready with a standing eight count on Daniel Jones right there. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah, it was weird. He was still in that game at some points, too. Yeah, I was I was shocked. What are you doing keeping him in the game? It's one game. Move on. No reason to get an injury in the fourth quarter down 33, 40 points. Yeah, it wasn't good. I, th- I I expected the Giants to come back down to earth and regress a bit. That looked really bad. Yesterday. Well, it's the offensive line. And then, by the way, as a Giants fan, this is something I've been complaining about literally for like 12 years now. The offensive line has just been absolutely atrocious in the years that they're bad. Like, I'd say the last Super Bowl run was probably the end of the offensive line being good. So maybe 12 years is a bit of an exaggeration. I tend to do that with numbers. Do you stare longingly at Sean O'Hara whenever he's up there <laughs> on NFL Network? With those blue eyes? Yeah. <laughs> no, like... The offensive line is the, is the key. And, like, when we look, when we evaluate a lot of these NFL teams, I, I think that's, like, something that we overlook. We get, like, enamored with the skill guys and the quarterbacks and the defense and all that. If the offensive line's trash, it, none of it works. It doesn't work. It's like, yeah, you can have a fast car, but if it can't steer or break, what's the point? Yeah. Well, it's not like they don't invest in it. Like, they've tried. They've tried to spend some draft not capital re- so along the offensive line. I'd say yes and no. Like, Andrew Thomas, they did. Evan Neal on the right side. He's going to end up being a guard. I don't even know if he's going to be good at that. Will Hernandez was a second-round pick. They tried Eric Flowers at right tackle eventually, and he, he was a top seven or eight pick, I Who's think. Who's the kid that got a center now, too, right? Yeah, John Michael Schmidt. Yep. He, he was awful last night. Yep. He was not good. And they were lining up like Parsons right over the middle to just run through him. He was exposed. They're just like Mark Lewinsky's just a random guy off the street. Whoa, Mark Lewinsky was an awesome Indianapolis Colts interior lineman for a while, all right? It's just, look, if your offensive line stinks, nothing else works. But, like, here's what I'd say. 
I keep complaining about it as a Giants fan every single year, yet other teams have worse offensive lines and they find ways to win. So I don't know. Can't disagree with you. I'll give you my quick three in uh, college football very quickly. Alabama's defense isn't the same as it used to be. It wasn't just the fact that Texas put up 34 guys. Worthy misses a touchdown pass that should have been caught early yep. on. And then Texas fails on their opportunity. By the way, Fowler's talking about what a great play caller Sark is. Dude, they stopped going to the perimeter after they crushed him. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't want to embarrass Nick Saban? They should have kept on going. They were getting five yards, five yards every time. Didn't do it. Um, this isn't the Pac-12 you're used to. This is the best Pac-12 I've seen in a long, long time. And it all comes down to quarterback play. We talked about it in the previous segment. DJ Uyunglele, Michael Penix, Cam Ward, Caleb Williams. I mean, Bo Nix. Shadur Sanders now. I, I, you know what? I actually – no, he's correct. Yep. I actually put Colorado on the Big 12. I was I completely yeah. forgot about it. Because they're, you, you look at them. They're in the mountain time zone. You don't think totally. the Pacific Coast. But you're absolutely right. Shadur Sanders. This league is far better and it's simply because of quarterback play. And then one final note, I always went in the Big Ten West. I was very, very disappointed what I saw to Wisconsin. I liked Wisconsin coming to the season, have the season win total at over eight and a half. It's going to be an uphill climb. Tanner Mordecai, man, this guy doesn't look as good as I thought in the running game. Braylon Allen and Malusi disappeared in the Palouse. Not a good performance yesterday by Washington State on Saturday. Excuse there me. Were, there were three VEASAN experts that did not pick Wisconsin to win that division. Oh, you oh. know what? I didn't. It's the one I gave out on the show, but I went back and looked on the website, and apparently it wasn't under my name. I don't know what happened. Oh, well, you don't by, the, by the way, you always tell us to submit plays for the uh, picks. Did you put my Texas shorthorns in there? I did, but I've also told you multiple times you have to text them to me. Just because you say it on the air, I can't consider it an official play. Oh, great. I had shorthorns horns down, said uh, we are outright. It. You were on there. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll be back. Wrap up. Sharp money. <laughs> The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast. To to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. 
So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Make this football season the best one. The NFL is here. You still got time to get that edge, and you want to do it with DraftKings. You can get $200 in bonus bets instantly with $5. All you have to do is use the code SHARP. That's right, SHARP. And you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code SHARP to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL bet. Only at DraftKings with the Sportsbook with the code SHARP. The crown is yours. Wrapping it up here on Sharp Money, I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Patrick Maher today. Amal and Dustin, of course, as well. I mentioned earlier in the program, I have made one bet for next week in the National Football League. Green Bay Packers laid a point with them on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. Is that the model or is that JVT? That's me. Uh, model gets updated tonight. Uh, if that, and that's the case, I will say this because we're updating the model every Tuesday. Part of the – there's two issues I'm actually running into this What are you going to update with the model? It was right this week. Well, you have to update the statistics. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, but here's the thing. So this is – we're going to get to week two normally. But – so I have two problems heading into this week. The first of which, one of the statistics I used for the model is gone. So football outsiders, for those who don't pay attention to the drama of football statistical websites, um, football outsiders was one of the, the sites I used. They had a stat called adjusted line yards, uh, and I used it. It was one of the few defensive metrics that I used to, you know, as part of the equation. They shut down about yeah. a week ago. Uh, the, the Aaron Schatz, I believe is his Schatz. name. Schatz, thank you, uh, is now with FTN, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So they're starting to kind of update their database and put all the DVOA stuff over there. But I don't know if that includes the adjusted line yards allowed. And I use Football Outsiders Drive Success Rate, which is also not on that website yet. So I have an issue as to how I'm going to like, find those statistics yeah. and update them. And the other problem I'm running into is... There, we're going to be, when I update it, I'm going to be using statistics from the first week of games mm. on the first week of games results, which is inherently a really small sample size, which means we talk about not overreacting. Well, the model will literally be overreacting to everything statistically put out there. Now, again, I have it so that it's asking, what's the correlation of these statistics to winning? And when I did that to build this week, you got a high correlation. So the assumption would be that you do it. So my question is, do I just roll with what the numbers of, we'll say, old version of JVM will give me, which I'm going to run and see? Because you can't tie them both yeah. together. Or do I use the new set of numbers that hmm. JVM is going to give me? So that's going to be like my kind of dilemma here. And I, my initially right now, my thought is to roll with the numbers that are closest represented by the market. So we'll see what that's going to be. But you understand my, my dilemma. Here. I would just stick with last year's numbers until they don't work anymore. I mean, that's part of the thing, right? I mean, yeah. do you do you do that? Do you just roll with, do I want the sample size to grow? So do I do I roll with the model that's based on last year's numbers for the first two weeks until I get a representative sample size for the first four weeks and then start to build the model off of the first four weeks? These, these are all questions about the journey and why we're doing this because I don't know what modelers do. Oh, we'll find out. We'll yeah, see I'm how not, it goes. You're not a model? You're not going to answer this for me? No, I, I don't have an answer for what you. What about right? you? Nothing? Well, I, I just, I would stick with last year's because last year's was correct in week one, and I wouldn't factor in what we saw in week one and reacting to that when you were right to begin with with what you had from last year. Right. 
I, just, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't factor in this year yet. Maybe after like three or four weeks, mm. you can do that when you have a little bit more data. But right now, your data was spot on in week one. Don't mess with it. Yeah, I want to see what the whole entire card was. I haven't run. I haven't checked to see uh, like ATS, it, it, what you did with the entire thing. Um, and we can do that now if you want. But that's that's kind of what I'm looking at, and which we'll answer, by the way, uh, in the journal, which will be up. Should be tomorrow, but if the stats don't update, then we'll do it on Wednesday. So. Tell you what, a lot of times you just go with the gut instinct on certain things. I like the fact that you've got this model. Let's see how it plays out next weekend. You got off to a fantastic start at 4-0 this week. Yeah, let's see. So, model said the play was the Chiefs, but that was at full strength. So, and we'll count that as a loss. Model said Panthers. That's a loss. Uh, model said Bengals. That's a loss. Model said Bucks. That's a win. Yeah, we'll have to go through this and see what's going on here. Thank, thanks, thanks, Mike Vrabel. Made JVM look good. Taking that dumbass field goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next week, Minnesota-Philadelphia is our Thursday night game. I mentioned this earlier in the show. Opened up 7.5 with a total of 48.5. That's pretty much where we're sitting. Hooks are gone, but it's sitting at 7 for Philly at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Outside of that, matchups that are of interest, I will say. I mentioned this to them all, Dustin. Chicago, look headline last week was Chicago minus one and a half on the road with a total of 44. That is now flipped, reopened at Tampa Bay minus three with a total of 41 and a half. So we have a what? What is that? A four and a half point swing to the other side and a three point bump on the total to the under. Bills are a 10-point favorite at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Total of 47.5. That bumps up from the look-ahead line of minus 8 to minus 10. Big one, Kansas City, Jacksonville. No adjustment here. KC look-ahead was minus 3 on the road. That is still minus 3 with a total of 51. Baltimore, Cincinnati. Look-ahead was 3.5 in favor of Cincinnati. Still at that number with a total of 46. And then I'll go to the other one that interests me, and you guys take it from here. We're going to see this game tonight. Dallas, a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home of the New York Jets next week with a total of 45. Well, if you like the Cowboys, you probably want to bet it um, depending on how you think the game plays out. If you think the Jets are going to win tonight, then you might want to wait because that line could come down to three. If you like uh, the Jets to lose tonight, you probably want to jump on Dallas now because I think if the Jets struggled, then you'll see this line get to four in this matchup. I kind of like the approach of just fading certain things I saw in week one, whether it's good or bad, sure. right? I like general, because when you look at the NFL, it's a, it's a 500 league. I mean, well, not anymore since there's 17 weeks, but you know what I'm saying, or 17 games. Right, right. Uh, it's generally, a five, everyone's hanging around eight, nine wins. So someone who did well is likely to not do well the next week. So you have to, if you can pinpoint those spots and on the other side, someone who didn't do well, you, you think they could win the following week. So like even that Thursday night game, seven and a half feels a little bit long. Kirk, uh, Kirk, say, what, say whatever you want about Kirk Cousins, right? And I know it's prime time where he's not great. But a whole touchdown against the Eagles that the offense kind of kept New England in that game for a while. And it feels like with their run system, like they will keep other teams in games. They're just fine. They, they don't care about style points. Like that seems a little bit long to me. First reaction. The Chiefs only two and a half favorites at Jacksonville. I get that the Chiefs didn't look right, but they're going to have Chris Jones back. Maybe we see Travis Kelsey. Like, maybe there's a chance he comes back. But there's no way with a week now to prepare without Kelsey again, they don't write some things. That feels kind of short, given that Jacksonville doesn't have the pedigree to be this, like, dominant force in the NFL. I think it's an important game for the Chiefs. I believe Kelsey will play. I like Kansas City in this game. But more importantly, where are you guys at tonight? I was thinking first half under. Uh, thinking that maybe it takes uh, the Jets' offense a little bit to get going. 
overall couldn't pull the trigger. I'm thinking I'm going to go with uh, the Bills. I'm going to lay the two points. Uh, so for the contest and JVM, he's uh, it's got Bills minus two and a half. So I, I do have the Bills in a contest play. So I'm hoping that's going to be the result. It is one of the plays that the model had that I hated the most. So if you were to twist my arm, I, I would pick the Jets. I think you were hitting on this. We're starting to see some buyback on the over for this game. 44 uh, was the consensus number. 45 starting to appear in faraway places. So maybe a thought to what we're maybe going to see on the field. Uh, and who was it? Was it Perino who said he thinks that it might be higher scoring today? Um, and I don't think the rain is going to play a big factor, but I agreed with you. I thought the market initially got a right betting this thing under. It opened 47 and a half, down to 44 and a half. I kind of think it's more low scoring. Today. I, I just don't have a good, if I'll be totally transparent, don't have a great feel for it because I just think with the, the new pieces, the new stuff, but at the same time, Rodgers is running a system he's familiar with and he brought in guys like Lazard and, and Randall Cobb to kind of ease that transition. So yeah. I could be dead wrong about that assessment. Yeah. yeah, I like the Jets tonight. I think JETS gets it done. Um, I think this team defensively did not get enough credit for how good they were last year. The offense was completely inept. It puts a lot more pressure on your defense when you're coming off the field every fourth play uh, for the offensive side of the ball. With Rodgers in there, how effective can they be in the running game is what I want to see. And then can the Jets offensive line hold up? In terms of the total, you guys are correct, or is JVT. I'm with you. I think you look at the under in this one. Look, I just kind of look at scores sometimes historically. Last seven of eight games have stayed under 44 in this series. They've been much more defensive-minded. But I think the Buffalo Bills, and people haven't talked about it enough, the loss of Tremaine Edmonds, in my opinion, is a big blow to this Buffalo defense. No, I think it's fair. Also, a point on Rodgers and like thinking that he's going to score a ton. Jordan Love did more yesterday with those weapons that Rodgers wasn't great with a year ago. Well... One second. In fairness to Rodgers, I mean, I could hit some of those balls. The These guys were wide <laughs> open, okay? Yes. And Love did miss quite a few of them. Yeah. And he didn't have Christian Watson. That's the other part. Man, he missed open throws, and he didn't have Christian Watson. Like, that thing could have been pretty ugly. It really could have. Yep. Yeah, so I guess uh, official, I'll go Jets in the under. I, I'm with you on that one. I like the Jets money line here, the 115. Um, I'm not a big fan of anything under three. I, I generally go money line if I'm taking you know the dog. It's a good emotional hedge. JVM can go five and zero, or I can win a money line bet. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good move. I uh, I will make it an official play. Jets minus two, first half under. I might bet one of them, if not both of them. Maybe I'll parlay. Wait, you mean Bills or Jets? I'm at Bills. 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 Okay. Bills. Okay. Bills. 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 All right. I got a lot of those. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't pay them. That's an issue. Uh, really, a lot. Yeah. Really quick. Uh, <laughs> Vsin.com. A lot of great insight for the next week of football as well. You want to check out those write-ups. It includes college football too. I've got a piece on what is going to happen or what happened yesterday with the line moves where we were at and where they were going. Uh, Adam Burks had a piece of updated college football rankings and, of course, a ton of content when it comes to Monday Night Football previews. Make sure you find out everything you have or we have to offer at vsin.com. Dustin, Pat, uh, I was going to call you Patrick. I'm all, I'm filling in for Patrick Jonathan Von Tobel. This has been Sharp Money. We send it back across to Circa for prime time here on vsin, the Sports Betting Network. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.